good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host, Patrick from Pull String Press for this great studio. Hey, Patrick. It's my birthday. Breaking news. Breaking news. Yeah, yeah. It's your birthday. It is my birthday. Put it with the, uh, when I was in, uh, I was saying I was eight watching KTLA, um, Sheriff John would be, put another candle on your birthday cake. You're another day old today, or another year old today. And he would look right into the camera and all the birthday kids would send in their cards and he'd go, happy birthday, Billy. Happy birthday, Stevie. Mm-hmm. And we would rush home and get our milk and our cake and do happy you, birthday. Do you suppose that that song they sang was because the um, because the actual birthday song is, is copyrighted? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> right? it, was yeah. free, it was free to <laughs> sing, sing yes. that song? <laughs> exactly. I'd like you to meet our guest today. Adam Hall, um, can I call you the Earth Keeper? Please do. <laughs> How <laughs> are you, Adam? I'm well. Good to be here with you, Mark and Patrick. We know it's your birthday. It's my it's my birthday. Yes, yeah. it is. We're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna get you the T-shirt. Oh, I can't wait. And so, Adam, we met. I feel like we've known each other for a while, but we met probably last year when you went. You took uh, one of Kimberly's speaking workshops. Is that right? Yeah, is that, 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 is, that is right. I came to, to TEDx uh, just, uh, well, that was just before I came to the workshop, as uh, actually. Right. Yeah, last So last, last August, August yeah, yeah, we had our, our TEDx. And we're, um, just for those of you who know, you know, we run TEDx Santa Barbara, and uh, we are November 11th this year. And so if you're in one of the 42 countries that's listening to us, and you're thinking about a trip to Santa Barbara, maybe plan it on that weekend. Uh, it's going to be um, it's pretty spectacular. So when I said the Earth Keeper, it is um, when I get your emails, it says Earth Keeper Alliance. And I, and I remember looking at that and I was really intrigued by the idea. But I know about it. Our listener doesn't. So why don't you explain what that is? Yeah, abs- absolutely. Well, first off, uh, Earth Keeper is, a, is, it a ter- is an indigenous term. Really? It, yeah, it's it's actually uh, many many cultures around like a five hundred nations kind of thing. Well, it's it's applicable to every nation. Right. So five hundred nations is what they called the indigenous Did, tribes of uh, North America. Of North Amer- right? America. So it's it's applicable both to the North Americans and South Americans in particular, and it's it's often associated strictly with environmentalism. But there, it's a broader term that really is more relationship to tending to humanity as a whole, not just the earth, but to one another. Okay. And it really speaks to the greater depth of who we all are in terms of caring for our planet and caring for one another. So, so what emerged from, from my, my journey and my travels around the world and my work in real estate was, well, there needs to be a lot of tending to this planet. And we've seemed to have forgotten a bit about that. So the Earthkeeper Alliance is all about how we go about that and how we create opportunities for land conservation and reuse of, for the land and how we think about our relationship with the land. So that's what we're, we're up to at the, the Earthkeeper Alliance. And that's what Earthkeepers do. They, they tend to the land, they tend to the earth, and they care about community and one another. 
so there there's one part of it which is what what you just said but then there's an uh an actual act which is you actually go out and you buy the land so that it's preserved in trusts right and you guys have done this a lot right well yeah you could you there's a couple ways to approach this one is uh, the the acquisition of land and the what we call the undevelopment aspect of right. land which is the idea of that is to take what is ostensibly going to be potentially developed on the right. property and do right. and and reconfigure that into a real uh, conservation model with a less intensive impact on on the on the land. So, for our listener who's not familiar with this part of the world, we're you know in California, just north of Santa Barbara, from I don't know Hollister Ranch, or not Hollister Ranch, but just north of Goleta, all the way up to the Gaviota Coast. Isn't that all? Part of a land trust now, all of that land. No, uh, unfortunately, or not. most of it. We we wish it. We wish it was. Okay. <laughs> There's. It's still in. Most of that is in the hands of private ownership. Oh. Uh, uh, There's several large parcels that are are for sale. We have a great Gaviota Conservancy out here in Santa Barbara, as many communities do with their conservancy and their land trust. So there's a lot of work being done on our coast, including offshore. In our what? marine environment, what? there's a proposition, I shouldn't say a, a proposal per se, that really speaks to can we conserve our marine environment? Can we create, create a conservation program there on a, on a public-private type of a partnership? Most of those have been done publicly, but not in this manner. So, so two things. One is, so just so our listener gets this, so you, you've got um, – and a, a parcel of land that a big green space and you want to make sure that that doesn't get developed you go out of your way to go buy that you find enough people you put together the funds you go buy that and you save you know for however many years nothing can be built on this property is in essence isn't that what it is well in essence that's what it is but it it actually is in conservation and preservation is in perpetuity Okay, Which so means there's no there's, time. It's forever. It's forever as it should be. And so what's the um, – so I'm thinking as a – I'm, I'm pitching, right? We talk about business on the show all the time. So now I'm pitching yeah, sure. for someone to raise, you know, here, give me however much money you give me. And typically I'm going to make an investment in real estate. And I want that investment to pay off over time. And there's whatever the, those benefits are. So what's that pitch when you say, well, we're never going to sell this land? And well, they're never going to build on it. Well, <laughs> what's the pitch? Well, I, I, first of all, great question. And it's very relevant to any uh, anybody who's kind of in the capital markets or raising capital per yep. se for whatever their endeavor, whether it's a yep. startup. And, or and, and by the way, to let the listener know, you've got deep experience in raising money. Well, my background is is in capital markets right. and investment banking, right. and that's how I really emerged into doing something that's more suitable for sustainability and greater greater okay. for the planet. But okay, so ba- so back question, to the pitch, yeah. Back to answer your question real quickly. Uh, first of all and foremost, there's an alignment of the investor or the impact investor specifically. Okay, because so the, that's the key right there. That's the key. You want you're, what we're talking about are people that want to use their capital to create impact. 
And, you know, there's different kinds of impact. There's social impact and there's there's oh, specifically to this, there's impact on the land or minimizing impact on the land. That Fair counts enough. as well. So a, so an investor that would typically invest with in something that we would do would be interested in two things. One is an alignment of their values and our values to conserve okay. your great conservation work. Got it. Uh, secondarily, there's benefits associated with that investment that are Such tax, tax benefits that are associated with doing conservation work that create deductions for large income tax people that are creating have lots of taxable income so there's greater benefits and then secondary so that's the sell that well that's, that's one the, i mean again so the that i'm <laughs> always thinking when i'm pitching there's the guy who's stroking the check and and there's that and then there's the one the emotional buy so the emotional buy is the alignment of values indeed but the the hardcore pragmatic buy is there's tax consequences and benefits to us well that's a that's simply a benefit i that is not the the ultimate uh, you know reward so to speak it's really okay, what's ancillary that? Benefit. or ultimate reward of really it, it is 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 how that land is conserved in other words if you're an individual owner of a piece of land, for example, you can do this yourself and still live on the property. You can do things like conserve uh, estuaries or waterways on your properties or streams, or you may want to, you know, many don't, but may want to provide access to the to certain re natural resources like the beaches. You know, we have the California sure. Coastal Commission. Sure. Sure. So there's other benefits that still can accrue in terms of having limited development, not wiping it out, which you can do, but you can have limited development on these lands. So when you put all three of those together, an alignment of value yep. and creating impact, not only in your own life, but in your community, and then you couple that with the idea that there's tax benefits and there's other benefits that are associated with this type of activity. And then thirdly, you're creating real viable use for land. Maybe you want to have the community come there and grow food. Maybe you want to create public access. Maybe you just want to have a few homes on this land or maybe nothing. So those are the real three key ingredients. What, what about the, the protections to avoid this being undone by heirs or, mm. or people after mm. the fact, people mm. coming, coming in afterwards? Um, who might contest this? Like if you have if you have a, a a couple who is who is in retirement and they've and they've turned their their essentially their back forty into an estuary, um, is what's what's the kind of protection that, that prevents that from being kind of undone by by somebody saying oh they were they were too old to know better? Well, it, it, you know it's another good question because the there's an enforcement mechanism that is in place. In other words, a, a couple things. One happens in. In land conservation work, it's a it's a it becomes a deed restriction, so it it's, it becomes it's part of your title and it's part of your chain of title, and then secondarily the 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 monitorization the, the to monitor to monitor. To, to just to monitor the easement. Somebody has to keep yeah, an eye on it. Yeah, monitor the monetization. So, that's where that was hard to yeah. <laughs> Got, it. Got that was, it. That was good. That is, that's done by an outside third party. So the wolf isn't watching the hen house, so to speak, here. So there's an ongoing uh, oversight 
of what you're doing and your heirs or the next owner in the chain of events cannot mon uh, just reorganize whatever was put in place as it relates to the conservation. It's not going to happen. So how many groups, oh, I'm going to call EarthKeeper as a group, a, we'll call it a movement, how many of those are out there? Give us a sense of the scale of people like yourself. You mean like, is this a whole industry or is this like just a whole a few, of thing a or is it just in Santa Barbara or? Well, it's, it's, uh, it, it speak specifically to the United States. Okay. Okay. We can certainly look globally, but in the United States, there are, are dozens and dozens of entities, hundreds of, of entities that are involved in this work, anywhere from foundations that are specifically focused mm -hmm. okay. on investing in this space. There are land trust and other types of uh, NGOs that are very active uh, in the in the land conservation space. Obviously, the biggest one is the Nature Conservancy. Okay. Uh, we've all heard of the Sierra Club. So there's outfits like this doing this work. So does the Sierra Club go out and buy land like this? Well, they they do. Sorry to be uninformed. But no, but they they do they do. But they're 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 primarily advocates. That's what I thought. And uh, and they use everything from uh, the, the law to, to in lawsuits to lobbying efforts to all kinds of pressure and methods methodologies that influence the outcome that they are seeking around around land and and and, and also it's simply it's also conservation of wildlife and flora and fauna and all those other things that go with that so my listener knows that I, I love to find the dragon underneath the gold in these stories. <laughs> and uh, it's a, it's that great it's, picture, yeah. you know, of in Lord of the Rings, right? You know, yeah. we, we finally find this cavern full of gold and, mm -hmm. and then the eyelid opens up and he's like, oh, there's a dragon underneath it. Uh oh, yeah. so there's a there's a dragon in this story. And I'm curious what the the opposition because you've got opposition forces towards you. Yes. What does that look like and how do you battle them? Well, it's... it's or, no, not a battle, excuse me. How do you overcome that? Well, the battle's appropriate for some styles, but that's certainly not my style. And, um, you know, as it's interesting because I came from a real juxtaposition here as relates to land use. Well, you were a developer? Meaning, yes. Meaning, in other words, that uh, the individuals and private owners have extensive rights as it relates to what they sure. supposedly own and purchase so that's okay. so and I respect that and so the, the the dragon so to speak here is it has to do with property rights and usage and there's been many many instances of, of Supreme Court cases and there's a lot of issues that have come up, obviously, in this current administration as it relates to land use, land use regulations, environmental protection, and not necessarily want to segue off into that that morass yeah, because it's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite a, it's quite That's a mess. A tar pit. It's a tar pit of, of sorts. So, but the the, the it's the proverbial uh, land private land owners' rights versus public lands usage of land or access and the greater good of that land or that community or that environment. So those are two are pitted against each other. And obviously we, in California, we have the, uh, a very powerful agency called the California Coastal Commission that's been very active in this arena in this, and it is a battle. They, they, there is a battle going on between private rights and public usage and greater usage of the land. So, 
because I'm, you know, I'm def, I'm on the fence here, right? Because I, um, I love driving the Gaviota Coast. I love the open land. Yet in an area like a city where we're trying to do business and we need business and, and you know, we need to be able to grow and do the kinds of things we do. And, and living in Santa Barbara, is, you know, over this last 30 years where we've looked at how do we continue to be economically viable and how do we, you know, protect ourselves from sprawl and all of that stuff. Where do you, where's that line? How do you, how do you figure out? How do you draw a line around the Garden of Eden and say, <laughs> we're, we're all in and nobody else is allowed? <laughs> that was so perfectly put. How do you draw a line around the Garden of Eden? Can I use that as our quote for the show, yeah, sir? I well, I, it, I mean, is there a demarcation point between, you know, proper usage of the land and, and land rights and then the, uh, the ability of the public to have, just for example, just views of the ocean? Without being having a, a obstruction from from types of development. So that's a good that's a good example, right? It is. Someone's got piece of property. They love it. They want to. They you know they're they're obstructed by trees in front of them. So they build up on a second level. But that puts the guy behind them so just blew their million dollar view. Yes. Well, that that's a that's a little bit of a of a different issue as it relates to view view corridors. But as is that it what relates, they're called view corridors? View Sorry, corridor. I'm not. I need to be buzzword compliant. View corridor. Got I got to see that little sliver through the through the trees. Well, it's interesting you say that because um, on the corner of Garden and Yanoli. Mm -hmm. uh, which is our funk zone, mm -hmm. right? The kind of the entrance to the funk zone. They've put up what they call story poles. Which is my favorite word ever. Don't yes. you love that? Yeah. Yes, we so, get to tell the story of what's emerging. Right, so so dear listener, uh, a, a story pole is where you've got a, a, a plot of land and they use uh, wood, they two by fours, and yeah. they construct almost a skeleton yes. of the building and then a string uh, orange tape between it. So you get a sense of the volume instantly. But I was parked at uh, the signal at Garden Yanali and I'm looking at the story post and I went, hold it. That's one of the most pretty views to be able to look at the, the Riviera and look at the mountains and went, that's all gonna be gone. Yeah, and but it was always, always going to be gone. <laughs> like, like, consider the... Consider oh, you're a fatalist here, Ben. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, oh, like, consider, consider, consider this a gift that you've previously had. Um, because, you know, I mean, we, we're, we're living in a place that's been developed for, for over 100... I mean, we well was over. it 18, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the 1848 is when the Hidalgo Act, you know, yeah. uh, you know because we, we, we won the territory from Mexico. Yeah. That was air quotes. Um <laughs> But the point being is that is that at any point during that time there were buildings there, you know, and and they yes. have you know warehouses and and you know you're talking about like like you know that was a very active industrial zone, yeah, uh, for for shipping and, and so forth. So it's like th those 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 are, those are respites, some minor respites in in our uh, history of, yeah, of getting yeah. a view right there. So so but this is kind of what we're talking about well, but writ a, large right yeah. where you're talking about large acre large acres. well no it's very relevant because it's really it's you know it, it speaks to smart development you know how do we want to grow how do we are growing the population continues to grow our economy keeps growing so we have to be smarter as cities as communities as individuals of how do we want to grow in, in our physical environment and what is our relationship with that physical environment so it 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 it, it is 
it is relevant as to you know what that looks like and how we should proceed forward and obviously we've uh, haven't been very thoughtful in the past in many ways we we're seeing the effects of of of, of what we really haven't thought through thoroughly about now that the impact we, now of that humans. we is that we a Santa Barbara we a California we or United States we? Well, I'm speaking in general about uh, just about how uh, human humans are impacting the land. Okay, so Fair I, it's Society. very societal. Yeah, society. yeah. societal. Societal. So societal. The whole man has caused climate change. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so it really it. speaks to what that's going to look like going forward, and it's really up today. I mean, we may not want to focus on it or we may want to look the other way or put our head in the sand or we're probably just too darn busy in our own lives to even focus on what that really means and uh, what that impact could be. But it's it's significant and it's very much emergent in our lifetime, certainly in our children's lifetime. So this is a conversation that I think will become more and more relevant because the if we don't do that, the outcome is one that will have severe impacts on how we our lifestyle and how we want to live and, and grow. I, it feels like that the momentum has shifted to where we don't get to say we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have the Paris Accord, we have Kyoto, we have all of these various things. There is, there is a level of awareness now that is, I believe, notwithstanding current politics, but uh, that we can't put that horse back in the barn. Like, we know what's happening. We, there's overwhelming evidence. Huh? Indeed. There, there's, there's, it's, it's not simply a matter of evidence. It's really a matter of what we do with what we now know. And if we have information, it's, it's, it's really negligent on, on humanity's part to ignore information that's very relevant and scientifically based that could impact great swaths of our humanity and our existence. So it's really a function of what are we really doing about that, whether it's Paris, which of course is, is, is more uh, of value in terms of psychological value right. and growth than actually impact itself. I mean, those are two different. Co there, it's one conversation, but there, it's very important. To well, it's a tone this. setter, right? It is. It's a tone setter that now gets executed at the local level and cities and governors and governments and county organizations. I just heard a week ago um, work that Santa Barbara Foundation is doing through the Leaf Initiative, but they've yes. they've got land, right? They they're a big part of that. They are. And. Um, I don't know the details, so listener, if you know, please write me, um, where they spread um, topsoil out. I don't know whether it's compost or something over hundreds of acres to sequester carbon. Have you heard of that? Well, I've or heard. Do you know anything about that? I do that know. Was like I do. I do know about certainly about the foundation and the great work that uh, they're doing there uh, around Leaf and, and Sharon's heading that up over yeah, there. Yeah. And you know, first and foremost, they've created a phenomenal blueprint of you know what is the Santa Barbara County blueprint, and what kind of what does that look like in terms of agriculture. Uh, uh, open space, land conservation, how are we using our land and what is the impact on our on our streams and and waterways and on our beaches. So they've done a phenomenal job and they which is it will enable uh, enable this initiative to really take action around how are we 
farming, for example, and how are we right. spreading right. Uh, composting or how are we doing things to sequester carbon uh, impact within the county. And I'm not familiar with the details of that, but I can say it's a, it's a, it's, it's at a minimum, it's a noble endeavor and, a, 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 and it's a vital endeavor for this community in the 805. Does San, do you feel like Santa Barbara takes a leadership role in these kinds of initiatives? Well, it, it, they do, and I've been really thinking about you know as I kind of look at a kind of a, a macro view of the 805 and what Santa Barbara is up to. And uh, you know, Earth Day was founded yep. here back in 19, 1970. We're going to have our 50th anniversary. There's a, a very active environmental community here. Uh, there's some new initiatives coming forth, like Sustain SB, and that's being put together as a collective, as an as an agency, uh, which brings uh, everybody from uh, the academic at UCSB all the way into the building community, into our foundational and in community, into our NGO community, bringing them all together to really create a greater metric, so we really know what we're dealing with here. Uh, in the county as it relates to carbon impact. So there's there's several things that are that are underway that are really forward thinking and that I believe are going to create more initiatives to make Santa Barbara not only more sustainable but more vibrant and more more engaged in in and this community as providing leadership because this is a community that is is uh, is innovative um, and I believe we have abilities to invent and create new structures and paradigms or models or systems uh, for business and otherwise that I think could be utilized globally. So we're, we're, we're definitely cutting, cutting edge on that in many ways. The interest for me is um, both as a citizen but also as the curator of TEDx Santa Barbara where I want to pull focus to what's happening here in the region on a global level, right? We have a beautiful platform to do that. The TEDx platform is perfect Indeed. for that. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm constantly trying to understand what is it about this area that makes us unique enough to be able to uh, have those kinds of ideas and, and wonder why. I mean, like, why did Earth Day start here 50 years ago? What, what is it about this area? Is it a, that natural beauty that because we're surrounded on three sides by mountains and on the forth by the ocean that there's a sense of, of stewardship that we've had for 500 years? I don't know. I, you know, uh, d just to insert myself for a moment, um, uh, all of that in parallel with a large industrial oil harvesting operation. Oh, the right? Right. Like, like what I'm saying is, is <laughs> yeah. that like, is like if you're in the middle of, of, of a place that doesn't have kind of all of that other uh, wondrous sublime grandeur, and there's just an oil production process. Um, there's less of an impetus to feel the kind of that that um, the, the tippiness of that, you know, the the right. the, the kind of like the balance, the balancing act of this thing, like you know, balance on the head. Which is to say that, like, if you don't have those oil rigs there, there would be no threat. There's no there's no dragon. There's oh. no dragon in the room. But if you've got an oil platform visible from this beautiful beach that you're standing at that could wreck it all in a minute then the dragon's sitting right there <laughs> and, and so wow. you're inspired wow. i think in your mind to say oh it, this is how close we are to uh at any and in 68 proved it 
in '68 was when was when the the, the major blowout happened. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and That's they had right. they had to invent new technology that then is what ultimately failed on on uh, Deepwater Horizon. And, and and of course we have continuing seepage and reminders as mm-hmm. we walk down the beach that we do have this issue. But I I would add to what Patrick was saying there is something that's not always typically seen because we can look to our outside environment, this incredibly precious coastline, this beautiful mountain setting. But if we really take that and look inwardly, what type of community are we? And why, why, why do we gravitate to this community? And obviously the beauty is, 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 is obvious, but ultimately think about this from a natural environment think about this from an from an eco eco environment and Santa Barbara in so many ways is a throughway for many migratory birds for example and oh, I thought you were going to say students at UCSB well they're kind uh, of migratory too and, but, I, but I mean that but, but to that point when yeah. I when you think about ideas right yeah. we're we're a way station along the way for a lot of people and a lot of them stick and stay here they right? do and for, for for good reasons but it it the, the the insight to that I believe speaks to the kind of the, the 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 kind of macro psychology of why we care so much about our environment you know as our home as our place where we breathe and live and as as our the electromagnetic field here I mean just go to a, a big city like Los Angeles right next door you can feel the difference between just being in Santa Barbara uh, from just a, a, an energetic and electromagnetic field compared to being in Los Angeles. So this particular environment is conducive for people being more in touch with their home and their land and their and their and the community and the ocean. So it's a very powerful alignment of our outside influences, physical influences with our inner inner space. And, and I, I believe that that's a big part of why Santa Barbara ha, uh, can provide so much leadership and even more leadership in this ar- arena. And it's just not from a physical perspective, but it's also a technological perspective. And obviously, uh, we have a lot of great tech, tech people in this community. When I look at the Bren School. Uh, and, uh, and the Bren, right. sc- in the mean, Bren School. One of the the great treasures indeed indeed and it's becoming obviously it's it's becoming more prestigious as we speak so there's many great things that are vibrant alive and uh and really creative here that care about our environment what we're doing and where we're going kind of as a whole so this is this is kind of cutting edge in many ways if if you ask me i I, i'm curious um patrick do you know of other places around the planet that have kind of that all of those things coming together like we have here i'm trying to think of other places where the there's such a focus and it might be because the dragon's right there for them as well yeah i mean i'm 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 thinking i think that there's some places in the south of france that are definitely having this conversation about you know with nuclear energy so close to kind of pristine landscape um but no, I mean, I, th- I think that, that, that we are a, I, mean, I don't want to say unique. Unique always sounds like a funny word to throw at a place just because you live there, you know. Um, but uh, I, I definitely feel like, like the environmental movement is, is all over the place. But this idea of taking um, affluent people that are in, in positions of wealth and, and also in position, uh, possession of property and saying to them, like, okay, here's, the, here's your opportunity to do, do some, some conversion. This kind of this last-minute conversion, I think, is not even last-minute, but just this, this kind of conversion is, is a great 
group to, to position themselves to belong to. Like, you know, like th- this needs to be part of, if you have a footprint that says that, that you're a member of society and you've done really, really well and you've achieved really great things and, and you're financially established and set, here's another thing you need to, to contribute back to the world. I think that's a, no, locally, that's fantastic. In, in Santa Barbara, I think we're really lucky to have people who, who would occur, you know, that that are coming forward like Adam and saying, "You need to do this. This needs to be part of, of what you do. This needs to be part of your. This is part of the community service." You know, we always talk about business owners, right? And the business owners come in here, and, right. and you say, right. like, like, like uh, well, what do you what do you think the, the, the big success for your business is? And, the, and, the, and they mention their bootstraps, and they mention all of these things <laughs> that they did. Um, and you say, well, what about the sidewalks? That got everybody to your business, and what about yes. the infrastructure exactly. that, that was around you? You know, well what about said. the clean drinking water and the low, the low infant mortality rate and the like? Good you know, schools. Yeah, the, the the hundreds of years of of America being a place that that's really good for business. Those all contributing, and that's that same thing with like when you look at Bill Gates and Melinda Gates, and the reason that they're 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 essentially converting their entire fortunes back over to philanthropic opportunities is to say, we didn't we didn't make this all by ourselves. You know, this mm. this money mm-hmm. needs to go back into stewardship, needs to be de- reactivated and, and put back into the communities because just simply spending it on larger boats doesn't right. really do the community uh, a great service as much as saying, you know, if we could really endow this community with an opportunity for open space, yeah. that's incredible. No. Is it fair to say that this, the, the generation, and I know you're listening, Lisa, <laughs> but the millennials, um, who we, we love, have a uh, probably a as good a sense of stewardship as we've seen in a generation. Oh, it's because they all want experience, right? They don't want to acquire large deeds right. and tracts of lands. What they want is to acquire the opportunity to go to those large deeds and tracts right. of lands. That's interesting. Do, where, where, what's your millennial outreach plan for Earthkeeper Alliance? Well, I I work with the millennials, and I'm I it, it brings me great joy to be in in both a mentor, mentorship and a collaborative experience with uh, our our millennial leaders, both here in town and and as well as other other places. That was perfectly said. And and, and so and, and and it's very much the case because we have the millennial generation, we have the X generation that's following them, going to be even significantly larger. And yes, there has been a significant paradigm shift between today's generation and the millennial generation that re- that uh, that I believe will provide. Well, they're kind of freaked out about what we've done. Uh, that's an <laughs> understatement. No. <laughs> uh, yes. No, I mean, seriously, it, yeah. I mean, when, when we, yeah. uh, you know, you're in our improv group and, and uh, we've got some younger people there who are genuinely freaked out right now. And, and I think that's causing them to have action, which makes me think back to 68 uh, as a young boomer. And we had the oil blowouts, and that was why this is the birth, one of the birthplace of the environmental movement because of that, because of that dragon sitting right out there. But the other dragon we have in life is time, and we've run out of time. Do you know that? We've successfully talked for 45 minutes. What? Yes. Magic. And... Uh, and we haven't even gotten into a lot of this stuff because I know that um, you alluded to when you said in the very beginning, and I have, you said the undevelopment. And I know you're working on something now called unthinking, uh, which is in a personal path that you're on towards, you know, spreading this message. Give us, give us two sentences on what unthinking the the unthinking process is one that is an, is an accessing our genius because the climate situation and and what's happening both in our inner and outer environments necessitate 
that we access a greater innovative access a genius within our own mind and our own expression because these are great challenges that we face both personally and as as a community and without the access to that unthinking process to really get into the greater genius, the wonder, the imaginative, the imagination, and the inventive mind, these problems aren't going to be solved. And we need everybody to do it. And that's why we can come together to do that. And I ask that because yesterday I was listening to uh, Jim Quick, KWIK. Y'all should listen to that podcast. Uh, He's the memory expert, but he's also a brain hacker, right? So he's all about hacking our brains and getting us to be able to do things we couldn't do before. And he was talking in yesterday's show about the the white space in our life, and which I think is what you're talking about, is that space where we're not doing anything. We've gotten so busy and we're so right. consumed yes. that we need to, you know, look at that, the space in between those activities and cherish that. And I've started this, you know, I just stop. It's only you take 90 seconds and do eight long breaths for 90 seconds, close my eyes and get a little white space in between. And it's what's ironic is I actually schedule that to make sure that until (laughs) I've done it for about six weeks and then it'll be in the space. But it's that's and I think that's unthinking because it's you you note, oh, my my brain is I'm in squirrel brain right now and I've got to stop and unthink. And so you believe that when we do that. We, we allow this inner genius to come out in a way that who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I do. And it's, all, really, it's really the way to activate that within our own personal life. Right. I mean, musicians say it very clearly. The music is the, is the silence in the, between the notes. Dancers dance the, their life and they're on the stage, whether they're ballet dancers or whatever kind yeah. of dancer, by sculpting the space. So when we speak to this white space, when we think about unthinking, it brings to us this field of presence, this field of being in the greater totality and wonder. Einstein was a genius for obvious reasons. In one of them, he could sculpt the space. He could hold the white space with a capacity to think and put very progressive, ingenious thoughts together. I love that. And last little story. 25 years ago, Patrick, I got to go to Tokyo. I thought you were going to say 25 years ago, Patrick and I. <laughs> go ahead. I'm that sorry. That was before your birthday. I know. You're yeah, such I a young pup. Yeah. Oh, thanks. You're a young pup. Uh-huh. Um, I got to go to Japan, and uh, my uh, our distributor there was going to walk me into Sony the next day. And I actually, it was his client, and I was helping him. But he said, he takes me to this Kaiseki dinner. That's seven hundred year old restaurant, Beautiful. but it was in a um, I don't know forty fifty story building, and had been on that spot, and so they preserved this restaurant way up in the in the restaurant in the in the skyscraper, but we came in and he made a very very big point of saying, the entire center of the skyscraper was hollow, hmm. it was empty, it was an, an hmm. atrium from the beginning to the, and it's like, it, it was kind of like. We're so awesome that we can afford to turn this negative space. We, it's got to be the most expensive real estate on earth, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't build anything here. <laughs> now, and, and he wanted me to just soak that in for a second. What I didn't know was in a past life, he was a, a 
uh, Buddhist monk, oh, yeah. and he walked me through a four-hour dinner like I'd never had before and explained the feeling of everything about that. But he just wanted me to understand that we're in this steel and glass, but to appreciate the negative space and how important that was, which is what you've just talked about with white space. And I've taken us over time, Patrick. Yeah, you Thank you uh, so much. Um, Adam, at the end of each show, we get to, we offer you the opportunity to name this show, give it a, put a bow around it and a title so that someone who may have come in through another podcast, they're saying, God, that was really good. I want to listen to another one. And they're looking through the titles and they see this show and they're in, intrigued enough by the title to listen to it. What is that show called? The 805 Collective. The 805 Collective. Okay. Mm, nope. Yeah, I was. I thought you were going to veto that a little yeah. sooner, but... Are you specifically for but 805? This, no, this is... We have people in Finland who listen to the show. I just I fear that they're oh. going to come they're going to come and look at they're going to be looking for a different thing from collective. That word collective is going to activate them differently unless we put land or conservancy or something else into oh, it. Oh, this particular show. I thought this you're talking no, no, Oh, no, I no. thought you're talking about No, your I've show. got a name for the show. We're good. Okay, so no, no, no. the name oh. for this episode. episode. There you go. You uh, didn't, you didn't oh, say I didn't ep- say episode. You didn't say episode. Oh man. Yes, okay. yes. Rewind. Right. Undo. Control yes. Z. We don't yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. Uh is it undeveloping the future? Uh, undeveloping the future is, you know, most wow. shows I do util- utilize undeveloping the future. Oh, is that something in his press? I was yeah. going to say, nice pull, Mark. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, that, that, I learned how to by read. By the way, <laughs> when I do shows, that is probably the one that people land on most. Yeah, it's a great hook. Yeah, yeah. They, they land on, on that. I, I did it. one with Alan Combs. You ever heard of that guy? Yeah. <laughs> funny because when you do drive time you know oh, yeah, you got you yeah. got you got three minutes you yes. got four minutes yeah give me yeah. the whole thing give me the <laughs> I mean, whole yeah. thing in four you, minutes you know everything that you want to talk about you know one sentence two sentences one word you know and yeah, we're 10 minutes after the hour coming into this side of it now <laughs> it's weather news 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 and weather bobby and boy in the so morning anyway, I, I like undeveloped i love I, I love that and adam thank you so much for joining us on the show and and listener um if if you're, you're not here in this region 50 percent of you are not look around to see if there's something around google impact investing in the name of your town and find out if there's some people in your area that you could go hang out with and learn a little bit more because there's there's a lot to impact investing uh, Impact Hub is a good example of some people who put their money together to build a space in Santa Barbara to, and, and other places around the world. Enough of that. I also want to thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and & Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner and birthday boy, Pull String Press. If you're interested in partnering with our podcast, drop us a note, partner at 805connect.com. Patrick, how could our listener help us right this minute? Well, uh, first off, foremost, rate, write, review. Go yep. go back into the app there. Grab this this particular – just before you delete it from your phone. Because I know what you're going to do is you're going to delete this this episode from your yes. phone to save a little bit of space. Um, but give us give us a, a review. Give us a, a rating. Um, that helps uh, propel us forward to allow other people with like minds uh, who are looking for interesting uh, information to digest, uh, bring it into their phone. So rate, write, review. Let, let other people know. The other uh, great thing is subscribe. Um, and then also, if this is your first time listening, go back through the back 
back catalog, we mm. have over 160 shows, mm. Good ones. Uh, different episodes of, of, of people that you may or may not have heard of. And uh, I encourage you to find the most random, unusual one. Oh. The one that looks like you're just absolutely like, I could not be more diametrically opposed to this person. I've got to find out what it is that they are talking about because there's a chance I'll surprise you. There's a dragon in every one of the stories. And I, that's that's my, my favorite part. I would love to hear from you if you've got questions or ideas for guests. Um, you, you you faithfully send me notes, which I really appreciate it, and you introduce us to some fascinating people that are just perfect guests for the show. Drop me a line at mark at 805connect.com. Thank you so much uh, in advance. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.